Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Hey, don't you love a good backpack? I love a good backpack, and we have the opportunity to give backpacks to Crawford High School. You guys heard last week the amazing thing that God's doing in our youth group. How many people enjoyed last week's youth group takeover? So proud of these guys. And we have a ton of Crawford High School students. It's an inner city school that we're deeply invested in. And Dr. Lawrence, the principal, will actually be coming to church on August 27th to receive all the backpacks we're giving. The majority of students are under the poverty line, so we can just show them we have their back, we're behind them, we love them by practically going out and buying them backpacks. So I want to encourage everyone to do that, okay? All right. Hey, I want to honor some friends. I'm going to talk on friendship today, and some of my friends showed up. I didn't know they were coming. Jonathan and Amy Gully are here today, and... uh, I got to lead for years with them uh, at Antioch in Waco, and then they went off and planted an awesome church, Antioch Wheaton, and now they're back in Waco as, I think, the COO of Magnolia Company. Some of you guys know that. That's the fixer-upper company, and just doing a great work, so love you guys. So glad you're here. You know, and, and as we talk about friendship, have you ever had an experience where you've been deeply touched by an act of kindness from a friend? I experienced that this week. I had to fly to Dallas to be a a part of a series of meetings. And as I went to the airport, we're boarding the plane, and we had that bummer experience where they say, so sorry, deboard, mechanical failure. And then the next thing they said is, I'm sorry, your flight is canceled. And then they said, your flight will happen tomorrow. And so anyway, we had to scramble, get on a completely different airline. And so I'm, I'm running down the, the corridor and I call my buddy in Dallas and say, hey, I've got to come in on the complete other side of town into a different airport. Is there any way you could send someone to pick me up? This is Zach Daniel. He's a pastor of, of Antioch, Dallas. And, and I get in at 9 p.m., and Zach's one of the busiest guys I know. He's, he's leading a, a rapidly growing church. He just had their fourth child, little baby, and they just moved home. So like every stressful thing you can think of, he's doing right now. And at 9 p.m., he ends up showing up to pick me up, to drive me across town. And I'm, I'm so touched. I'm thinking, Zach, bro, you are so busy. You could have just sent anyone. I just needed a favor. And he said... Man, anytime I can spend time with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. And I, yeah, some of you, aw. That's how I felt. That's what I probably said, aw. And, and I went to bed that night just thinking how fortunate I am to have a friend like him. You know, that is such a, a deep desire of my heart. And I, and I know it's a deep desire in so many. You see, I remember a time where I didn't have a lot of close friends. My high school years were very painful. I, I might have been in the in crowd, but I dealt with a, a lot of friendships that, that broke up and a, a lot of people that ended up distancing themselves or, or even feeling betrayed. And I remember my main prayer when I went off to college was, Lord, 
give me some great Christian friends. Uh, that was probably the first prayer I prayed consistently was, God, I, I need some, some great Christian friends. You know, here, here's what I know is that right now in the United States, we're having a famine of friendship. We might have a lot of food, but we have a famine in our land, and it's a famine of friendship. There's a deep craving in our hearts to have authentic relationships. And I saw this so true in November, I felt led to preach a message called True Friendship. And it was one of those times where I was bummed out because it was the weekend after Thanksgiving, and I, I know that that's about the lowest point of church attendance in America, and it's certainly the case in our church with so many students and so many that were off on vacation. So I preached this message that I knew God was speaking, and we had one of our, our smallest crowds that day, but I wasn't prepared for what would happen next. Over the next few weeks, we saw that 10 times the amount of people that were there listened to the message. Thousands and thousands and thousands. And it was so telling that this is what's on the heart of people in our day and age. We want true friendship. But you see, I think one of the greatest problems is that our friendships in America are often based on convenience instead of a biblical value called covenant. Yeah, and let me just say this, I'm not against convenience. You know, this isn't one of those messages where I'm just going to rail on convenience. Like, I love that after this service, I can just go talk to a sign, pull up to a window, and at In-N-Out Burger be handed this piece of heaven on earth, a double meat, animal style piece of the kingdom of God coming <laughs> In, in our, I love convenience, and I saw that this summer. You know, you guys know I was in Mongolia, and, and man, talk about an appreciation for fast food. We end up going to this place where we're, we're hanging in a village, and the couple, the sweet couple that's taking care of us, how did we get our food? They went out and killed one of their goats. And then, some of you don't even know, you, you have to actually kill an animal to serve it. You're like, I can't believe you said that. It's happening that's how you're eating, folks. But anyway, they, they had to kill the goat. They had to like cut it up, skin it out. And then they had to build a fire. Like I watched them build a fire and stoke it to the right temperature. And then they carved out the meat. And then they, they put it in a pot and took hours to have that little goat. I love, I love modern convenience, you know, and, and we're always benefiting from modern convenience. I mean, who doesn't love a, love a washing machine, right? So we're not just, you know, scrubbing that washboard all day long in a dryer. That's such a, such a blessing. And then there's some convenience, you know, inventions that are coming out. We're still wondering if they're going to take. I was watching the other day on cable TV, the grabber. You don't even have to bend down anymore. You just buy the grabber. You know, you see something on the ground. You, you see something up high. You don't have to get a ladder anymore. It, the grabber can even pick up a dime. Like that was what it was advertising. We can pick up a dime. You see a dime on the ground? Use the grabber. <laughs> okay, one, one, one item, one, one invention that I thought was amazing, I still can't believe it didn't take off more, was the clapper. Right? You remember? You remember? Yeah. Boom, boom. The lights went off, right? Whoa! Okay, we got a clapper at SDSU. Thank you, 
That was pretty funny back there in the booth. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the modern version is like Echo or, you know, Google Home or whatever. Yeah, hey, Google, and it just does whatever you need, right? Okay, here's, here's another one. I like this because sometimes when I walk up to the refrigerator, it's just too hard to, like, extend my arm and open it. I am so thankful now that there's a video camera inside of the refrigerator and it will tell you what you're missing, right? You know, I wonder, is that really going to take off? Have you seen those yet, the smart refrigerator? Yeah, and it can even, like, if you're just too tired of, like, actually pulling, I know it's hard, pull out a piece of paper and write down your grocery list, your refrigerator will email you your grocery list. I mean, like, remember the days when you had to write down things? That was awful, right? So I, I love modern convenience. I love modern convenience. Here's here, this takes it all, right? My friend the other day showed me he had bought a portable bidet. <laughs> like you know, if you just you know you, you used to go to fancy fancy hotels to get a bidet, you know, or it's just it's too far to reach for that toilet paper. You don't need it anymore. So here, convenience, modern convenience. But here here is the. Uh, Here's the danger, is convenience has infiltrated into relationships. And no longer do you, if you want to talk to someone, have to stand up and walk across the room or go visit them. You know, there's this amazing invention that came out quite a while back called a telephone, which I'm very thankful allows us, you know, my... my, my parents live in a completely different state. I love that there's a telephone, but then we, 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 come up with, we come up with email, and we come up with FaceTime, and then we come up with these conveniences like Voxer and messages that you don't even have to get the other person's attention. Like, you can talk to them when you want to talk to them, and you don't even have to deal with what they say back to you. And that, I'm afraid, has discipled us in relationships that I'm going to have a relationship with you when it's convenient for me. I'm going to talk to you when I want to, and when I don't, I'm going to shut you out. And all of a sudden, we have these relationships that are disposable. And that's what I'm seeing in our day and age is we don't understand how to build true relationships. And I believe that God wants us to have covenant friendships instead of convenient friendships. You know, God is a covenant God. And you might ask, what is a covenant? You don't hear covenants talked about much these days. A covenant is a promise between two people that involves an agreement on how they're going to treat one another. And the Bible's full of covenants. God is a covenant God, and from the beginning of Genesis, we see the covenant between God and Noah. There's five distinctive covenants in the Bible. The first was with Noah, that God would not destroy the earth again because of sin. He put a rainbow in the sky. I'm so thankful for that covenant. Then the covenant, the second covenant was the covenant with Abraham. And that covenant was this, that as you follow me, you go out on this journey with me, Abraham, I will make you a great nation and all the nations will be blessed through you. The third covenant that, that God made is somewhere in my notes. <laughs> and it was the covenant to Moses and the people of Israel. And there it is on the screen for you. God gave him the Ten Commandments. 
and said, here is a way of relating to me and a way of relating to each other, and if you do this, you will be blessed. You will be my people. The fourth covenant, interesting covenant, was made with David, and God spoke to David, you will forever have one of your descendants on the throne of Israel. The most important covenant, the covenant of Christ, this Covenant. You know, here's the interesting thing about covenants is you look at the Hebrew word for covenant and the root of it is to cut. And that cutting led to a shedding of blood. And so how they would make a covenant in the Old Testament is you would cut an animal in half, somewhat gruesome, you'd cut an animal in half and the two people would walk through and there they would meet. And that covenant was based on the shedding of blood. Well, the ultimate shedding of blood came in the covenant of Christ as he died on the cross for us to pay for our sins. The wages of sin is death, is what the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. When Christ shed his blood, he was paying the ultimate covenant. He was cut in order to make a promise between God and man that it was no longer our works that would merit us favor with God, but it was what Jesus did for us on the cross. I love the covenant of Christ. But then you see that there was covenant between people. And today I want to study this kind of covenant relationship because one of the most famous relationships in all the Bible is between David and Jonathan. They're known for their epic friendship. But at the heart of their friendship is a covenant, and I want to study that because I believe that God is reawakening covenant friendship in the body of Christ in this day and age. In fact, as we went on our staff retreat this past weekend, we continually had different ones saying, I, I feel this theme, or God's been speaking this theme about covenant committed relationships. So if you turn with me to 1 Samuel 18, we're going to look in the ESV, the English Standard Version. This is about David and Jonathan's friendship. Starting in verse 1, it says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, now this is David, and he's speaking to Saul. The background is he's just fought the giant Goliath. Little shepherd boy David had gone out in front of all the Israelites. The Philistines had drawn up. A, a giant Goliath had come up. He was taunting the people of God. Little David, shepherd boy, went out with a sling, slung it, killed Goliath. And so there's this epic celebration. And now David and Saul are talking. And it says as soon as they were talking, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own self. And Saul took him that day. Saul's the father. Jonathan's the son. Saul took him that day. Saul's king, by the way. And would not let him return to his father's house. He's like, man, this guy is the man. This little shepherd boy. I want him in my house, in the palace. He just protected me from a giant. You know, no, no telling what he's going to do from here on out. Verse 2. Then verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So let me just unpack this for you because it gives us the keys to a covenant relationship. The keys to a covenant relationship. The first thing we see is the soul of Jonathan was knit. That word in the Hebrew is kashar, kashar, which means this, to be woven or bound together, or literally knit. His, his soul was knit. Now, the other day, I had this funny experience because I walk into my house, and my wife was learning to knit. 
And if you know my wife, she's like one of the fastest moving, hard charging women. So it was kind of unique to see her sitting at a couch knitting, right? And so I'm going to actually demonstrate her handiwork. Here is what she made, this knitting. And um, <laughs> this, is, this is actually as far as she got. But um, anyway, here are the knitting needles, right? And here's what I know about knitting. Knitting takes time. Knitting is a, a deliberate action. Knitting takes skill. Although anyone can learn it, it takes some skill. But look at this. Here you have this little simple piece of yarn, and all of a sudden it's woven together. And here's what I know about knitting. It's hard to pull apart. Why? It's woven together. It's purposely bound together. And this is what Jonathan's heart was like with David's. This friend had his heart wound, bound, knit with David's. You know, I, I don't see that much today in our contemporary culture. I see relationships that tear apart very quickly. Knitting is not as popular today as it was in the days of old. Here's what I see is really popular today. A way to fasten things, Velcro. Here we go. I love Velcro. It has saved many anxious mornings in my home when I'm trying to get my kids out to school. Then instead of fumbling around tying shoes, I can just slap it on, right? But I'm afraid that that's how many of our relationships are. This day and age, our, our relationships, here's the thing about Velcro is, yeah, you can put it together really fast. I mean, watch this. Whoa, it's together, right? That, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, knitting, wow. Like, I don't even, I can't even figure this out. Michael, I mean, it's like, I'm sure your wife knits, but like, what do you, it's like, you know, I'm only good with chopsticks because I can eat, right? And, uh, <laughs> but watch this. The problem with Velcro is, watch. It can be ripped apart in an instant, right? It can be ripped apart in an instant, and that's what I see in relationships every day, e even in the body of Christ. I see someone get upset with another person, right? You, you, you all of a sudden, you find this friend, you know, and you kind of see them across the room, and you know how it is? We have, like, an affection for friend, and it's right. You know, it's not weird, but it's right. You see them across the room, and you're like, Dream weaver, I'll be, you know, like, that is my soulmate. You see them. That is the piglet for my poo, right? I mean, that, you name it, you know, that, 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 and, and, and you think everything's going, going great, and then you come into some rocky waters, because that day, you, you one day you want to go to the beach, and they want to go to the movie. Oh, no. Right? And all of a sudden you're like, but I'm a beach person, you know, and I thought you were my friend. And then you find out they don't only want to go to the movie, they got another friend to go to the movie with. Oh, no. <laughs> right? And, it, and it, what happens? You're like, well, then forget you. Right? It's not working very well. There we go. <laughs> all right. Sometimes illustrations don't work out perfectly. Remember that clapper thing, right? All right. So here, I want to I explain to you how do we knit relationships together. Here, I, I love what James 3 says in the message. This is, the message is a, a, a modern day interpretation of the Bible. Listen to what it says. It says, 
you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys results only, say only, only, only if, now, now, we should be listening because that's our goal. We want a healthy, robust community. In case you haven't heard, we've been in community month at All Peoples. Like, we love relationships. One of my greatest prayers is that each person in this room would have several close friends. We are fighting the famine of friendship in this church, and so we want a healthy, robust community. But it says only, so listen, only if you do the hard work, say hard work, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. It's hard to get along. If you don't know that, try getting married. <laughs> Except for me, it's easy. But Because um, I have the best wife in the world, and this is recorded. Um, <laughs> treating each other with dignity and honor. It's hard work to get along and to treat each other with dignity and honor. We have this idea that friendship's gonna be like Velcro, that it's just gonna, oh, it's gonna slap together. When I find the right friend, boom, we're just gonna be bonded together. But no, it's hard work, it's knitting, it's deliberate, it's focused, it takes time. That's how we build covenant friendship. So let's look at this because it's gonna unpack different points of how Jonathan and David's Friendship was forged. First it says this, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now first of all, I want to say that covenant friendships are based on love. Do you know it's right to love a friend? It's right to love a friend. But so oftentimes we have the wrong understanding of love is that we think it's just an emotion that I feel. And that's why the Bible focuses on loving your own soul. You know, sometimes we don't feel good about ourselves, but we still want for ourselves acceptance, provision, security. You know, Jonathan wanted the best and worked for the best for David. He loved him as his own soul. We spend our life trying to meet our needs. And scripture points us to if you want to be a good friend, you're going to live to meet someone else's needs. Now watch, let's keep tracking through this line by line. It says this, he made a covenant. He made a covenant. You know, sometimes we think, well, if they're my friend, they're just going to understand I like them. Can I just tell you that we need to communicate our commitment to people? When we communicate our commitment, it brings a place of peace and security and confidence. Why? Because so many of us, we don't have trust in relationship. From, from, from day one, we've been taught to not trust relationship because if statistics are right in this room, then one half of you come from divorced families. So the, the one covenant that you ever saw made was torn apart. So from the beginning of our lives, we're taught, hey, I can't trust that relationships will stay together. The most important relationship for me as a child was my parents, and they split apart. And then my family was split apart, and my friendships were split apart. And so it's healing. I, I remember the first time, this was a guy named Mark Masterson, first guy to really invest in me, and I remember him saying, Herber, I'm committed to you. I thought, man, that is so interesting. I'm committed to you. 
He said, I, I, I want to be there for you in your times of need. And then I, I remember being uh, absolutely just uh, overwhelmed when my car broke down and Mark just showed up and spent the day trying to help me fix it. And I thought, you know what? He really is committed. And then I, I remember I, I, I was a college student. I went into finals and he said, hey, I want to show up and, and, and bring you a little care package. And I thought, like, who does that? But you know what? 20 years later, I'm still good friends with Mark. You know, when we speak our commitment to people, and I'm not saying do it lightly. I, I, I'm not hoping that our, our ushers in the red shirts go to the door on the way out and everyone, as they walk out, instead of saying, hey, have a good day, have a good day, they instead look at everyone and say, I'm committed to you, I'm committed to you, I'm committed to you. But that would be weird, right? I'm not telling you to be committed to everyone, but I am saying that God has custom-crafted covenant relationships for each one of us, and we want to steward them rightly, and we want to speak out our commitment. Jonathan made a covenant with David. Now, let's keep looking at, at, at what he did, because he doesn't just make a covenant, then he, he acts on that covenant, and it says he gave to David. So he doesn't just speak a covenant, then true friendship is about giving. A lot of us are like, man, I'm glad he's finally preaching on friendship in here because people are going to finally start being friendly to me. Now you're totally missing the point. The point is friendship is about you being a friend first, about you giving. And so, wow, like now this is stuck on my foot. All right. Uh, it's about giving. That's a good friend right there. So what does he do? It says he gives his own robe. He gives his own robe. What's the significance of this? The robe speaks of identity. The robe speaks of identity. Jonathan had a royal robe. People would have known when they saw Jonathan, Jonathan was a prince. His dad was the king. A prince wears a royal robe. I mean, that's, that's not a, 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 a hidden thing from us. We see a king's robe in a coronation. They put on a robe. Jonathan had a princely robe. And what does he do? He puts it on David. Very significant, if you think about it, because Jonathan's a prince, and David is a lowly shepherd boy. And so Jonathan, all of a sudden, it says he strips off his robe. He didn't just say, hey, one of my uh, helpers, can you bring a robe, you know, kind of like mine, but a little less good, and put it on David? No, it says he actually strips off his robe. Do you understand that friendship is costly? Friendship is costly. Friendship is giving your friend the best. All of a sudden, I mean, wrap your mind around this. All of a sudden, out, out in the Israeli countryside, all of a sudden, you're seeing the person in the royal robe. They think that he's royalty, and Jonathan doesn't have it anymore. Are, are you tracking with me? And Jonathan could have been jealous because his, his friend, David, he's the one who just killed the giant. Like, he's the new American ninja warrior, right? David, like, Jonathan was supposed to be, he's the prince, like, he's supposed to be the man, but all of a sudden, little shepherd boy goes through and rings the red buzzer first and everyone goes crazy and then they put the robe on him. And you know what John, Jonathan was saying? I'm okay if the attention goes to you instead of me. I'm speaking identity over you. Do you know a true friend speaks identity over you? I think about my college roommate, Robert Fuller. He'd go on to become my brother-in-law and, and I remember 
I was so impacted. He, he hand wrote me a letter when we were about 19. And he said, Herbert, you're like an oak tree. You're, 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 you're strong and, and you're firm and people can come under your limbs and they find a place of peace and security. You're a great leader. And he said, someday you're going to make an amazing pastor. Do you know what that meant to a 19-year-old guy? And it made me want to rise up to be an even better leader, to be even more firm. It, it, it pulled out my destiny. Do you know that you can call out someone's destiny in a world where we just hear negative and we're beat down and we're criticized? You can be the friend that calls out the gold in someone that speaks identity over them, that calls them into greatness. That's what this church is called to do. But it's going to happen through individuals who become covenant friends, speak identity. Now watch this. It doesn't stop there. He then gives him his armor. I mean, you would have thought it would have been enough to give him, you know, the most expensive robe and the lamb, but now he gives him his armor. What does armor speak of? It speaks of protection. Do you know a, a covenant friend seeks to protect another? He seeks to protect another. I, I started this message by talking about Zach Daniel. And that wasn't the first time Zach had done something so kind for me. And, and years ago, probably 15 years ago, our college group that I was a pastor of was just exploding. All these people were coming to Christ, and we were reaching all these people. And all of a sudden, this hate group comes out on campus and writes an article, a, a, a totally false character assassination article about me. It was called Six Questions to Robert Herbert. They put a T on the end of my name. That was the most painful part, is they misspelled my name. If you're going to criticize me, at least get my name right. And, and, and it was all these lies. And what they did is they got on campus and they passed out 7,000 copies. They put it in everyone's hand, and then they took the, the campus-approved newspaper, which was good news, and they put their newspaper in the little stations where you'd get the campus newspaper. And I remember Zach calling me and said, Robert, did you hear about the article? And I'm like, yeah. I, I, it, was, it was such a discouraging day. I couldn't believe that someone would just make it their ambition to try to destroy my reputation. He goes, hey, man, we're going to take care of you. I'm getting a group of guys together. Jonathan was one of them. He goes, I'm going to get a group of guys together. We're going to go. We're going to find all those articles, and we're going to throw them all away. Do you know how that made me feel? I was like, yeah, it's my boy. What, why? Because he cared more about our relationship than his reputation. You know, he could have easily said, oh, man, Robert, your, your reputation's ruined. I kind of want to distance myself. Have you ever had that feeling before? Like someone, all of a sudden, they're accused of something, and you're like, okay, walk away, <laughs> right? But no, Zach was, he cared more about our relationship than his reputation. And, and who knows what it could have happened. He didn't know if these guys would attack him and beat him up and go after him, but he cared more about me. You see, a covenant friend protects. A covenant friend protects. Is that the kind of friend you are? Is that the kind of friend I am? That's the kind of friend I want. I know that. Watch this. He doesn't just go with his armor, but then he gives the sword and the bow. Do you know that, that friendship 
is actually a weapon. Friendship is actually a powerful weapon. This just came out yesterday from the American Psychological Association, from Dr. Julian Holt-Lundstadt. This is amazing. She says, in an analysis of 148 studies, this isn't just one study. It's like, oh, the pastor went and found one study to substantiate this message. No, 148 studies of 300,000 people. You know, like we hear polls in the newspaper. It's like, we polled 322 people and found out. No, this is 300,000 people. Her research team found out that a greater social connection or close relationships cuts a person's risk of early death by 50%. Bottom line, you want to live longer, get a friend. <laughs> I mean, that is powerful. That is powerful. Close friendships cut your chance of early death by 50%. Right? If that doesn't want to motivate you to have a friend, right? Go get a piglet, right? <laughs> I, I think about one of my deepest covenant friends, Kendall, our, uh, our executive pastor, uh, one of his gifts is he's a student. He's a studier. And he uses that gift to help me. He's consistently sending me articles. He's like, hey, I, I think this will help you. Why don't you read this? He'll, he'll, he'll send me a podcast. Robert, I think this is going to really edify you. He'll buy me books and say, hey, I, I thought about this. He's always trying to give me tools. Do you know that a true friend is always trying to give tools to make someone better? Here's the deal. Jonathan could have just said, like, David, you're good, man. You're the new American ninja. You're the new Israeli ninja. With a slingshot, you kill that giant. But he realized, no, David doesn't have a sword. So I'm going to give him my sword. And maybe that slingshot, like, maybe he did the best with what he could. But how much better could he be with a bow? So he gives him a sword and a bow. A true friend is always thinking, how can I make my friends better? That's the kind of friends I want that want to make me better and that I want to make them better. And what happens when we have a, a relationship like that? The water level of our whole community rises. You know, and instead, the, the normal mindset is, is that, like, that crab effect. You know how the, uh, the crabs, you can put crabs in a bucket and they can climb out but the other crabs will pull them down, right? They're like, uh-uh, and pull them down. And you know, that's how we can be in the church. You know, someone starts seeing God do amazing things, and we're like, well, I don't want you to do that, and pull them back, right? Where a true friend says, hey, you're killing it, but here, have my sword. You'll kill even more. Here's my bow. That, that is a covenant friend. Now, watch it. It doesn't even stop there. Then he gives him his belt. Now, the first moment I read that, I thought, like, that's kind of strange. Like, I like the robe, the armor, the sword, the bow, and the belt. Right? It's like random. Kind of like, here's some suspenders, buddy. You know, and I appreciate belts. You know, I don't know if you've ever had pants that were like a little big and you forgot your belt the rest of the day. Or, <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. But what, what, is a, what does a belt speak of? A belt holds things together. Right, a belt holds things together. Have you ever had a friend that holds you together? You, you, you hear this, man, I would have fallen apart if it wasn't for this person. Or man, they just, I was losing it, but they held me together. You know, that, that's what 
what Jonathan was doing for David, the, the belt in the New Testament, in the armor of the Spirit, is the belt of truth. A, a true friend speaks truth to hold their friends together. Listen to what David says, uh, what Jonathan says to David in, in David's darkest hour. 1 Samuel 23, 17, don't be afraid. He's speaking this truth. Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. I mean, this is, this is a blow away. The heir apparent to the throne saying, you're going to be king. He's prophesying over him, and he's saying, and I'm, I'm okay to be second to you. It, this is amazing. You know, one of my favorite movies is The Lord of the Rings. Right, and, and, and arguably, you know, one of the greatest pieces of literature on the last century is, is Tolkien's work on the Lord of the Rings. And there's always this discussion, because it's a great piece of literature. People say, who is the true hero in the Lord of the Rings? Is it Aragorn, who becomes king? Is it Gandalf? And, and do you know who Tolkien ends up saying is the true hero of the Lord of the Rings? He says Samwise Gangee. Samwise, Frodo's buddy, is the true hero in the Lord of the Rings. And I want to just take you into this clip real quick so you can see how this starts. Frodo! No, Sam. Go back, Sam! I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you! You can't swim! Sam! Sam! Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. Come on. Deserves a big amen. You know, why wouldn't Sam let Frodo go alone? He says, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. I, I made a covenant. And, and, and then you think, you know, what was that big covenant they made? The, did he sign some contract? Did he do some big ritual? No, if you remember the movie, Gandalf says, don't you leave him, Samwise. And he goes, okay. Like, that's, that's the promise. But he realizes, I made a promise. What if we were that intent of keeping our covenants to other people? And then you see him at the sacrifice of his own life. He can't even swim, but he's like, I'm not going to leave him. I'm coming. Even if I can't make it, I'm going I'm to die trying to get to you. And it's not like Frodo was that great, right? I mean, Frodo was starting to get weird. You remember that movie? 
he was starting to like Gollum, like this weird, like slimy guy, more than good old Sam, right? It wasn't because of Frodo's goodness. It was because of the love in his heart and his commitment and the covenant he had made. And here's my favorite part of the movie, the very end. I'm not going to show it to you. I'm going to act it out. It's going to be a lot better. He, uh, <laughs> he, you know, they, they have to go into Mordor to destroy the ring, right? This ring of power, they have to go into Mordor to destroy it. And Frodo is just getting overtaken by the power of this ring. And so you see him, he's lying on the side of this, you know, volcanic mountain. And he's going, Sam, I can't take it anymore. It sees me, I'm dying. And you're like, Frodo, you know, the whole movie, you're like, Frodo can't get any worse. And he just gets worse and worse and worse, right? And Sam's looking over him. And I mean, it is my favorite part of the movie. He looks down and he goes, I can't carry the ring, Frodo, but I can carry you. <laughs> Lift him up on his shoulder. Boom, boom. You know, and then the camera zooms out, and it's like Sam has Frodo on his shoulder marching into hell. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, right? That is the Bible. Okay, so here's the cool thing. My son this week, and this was just totally coincidental. My, my kids love this. And so my 10-year-old loves the Lord of the Rings so much that he was watching the behind-the-scenes making of the Lord of the Rings. And you get to the part where it's talking about the characters and their relationships, and you get to Sam Wise, who is played by Sean Astin, and he starts talking about, I just felt called to take care of Elijah Wood, who was Frodo, on set. Like, this isn't talking about in the movie. He's like, yeah, I just felt called. And you hear Elijah Wood saying, yeah, it was so crazy. He goes, Sean Aston, Sam, would just take care of me. Like, I locked my keys in my apartment. And he's like, hey, you go on. I'm going to take care of it. He calls the locksmith, goes, gets him. He says that Sean Aston would always talk to Elijah and say, hey, you need a ride. Do you have your food? Elijah actually said, hey, it was crazy. Sam wouldn't trust the stuntmen on the set. And so he had to test out every dangerous stunt before Elijah Wood would do it because he felt that call to take care of him. And you wonder why it was so powerful on the screen. What you might not know is that Sean Astin is a strong, committed believer. He's a, he's a strong Christian. And so you wonder why that was so gripping for us. It's because God had actually put that kind of call to serve in him in real life. And you know, that's the only way we can truly be covenant friends, is when the love and the power of Jesus is flowing through us. You know, this is what Jesus says. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Right, I I think that we can start getting really good at that vertical relationship of of loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, And believe me, that is number one for us. If you don't know that we're all about Jesus here, (laughs) you can't see, right? (laughs) But we're all about Jesus. But Jesus says this, here's my command, that you love one another like I've loved you. Right, the, the model for this is Jesus. He goes on to say this, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What is covenant friendship? It's laying down our life for our friends. It's laying down our life for our friends. And watch this. Jesus doesn't just say it's a good thing. 
He says it's the thing that's going to impact the world. You see, I actually believe one of the greatest dangers for the church in America at this time is convenient friendships instead of covenant friendships. I believe one of the greatest dangers is the breakdown of relationships. I believe one of the greatest dangers for the church is disposable relationships that the second you get hurt, you just say, peace out, I'm walking away, too painful. Because Jesus knows that if we get this thing, that it will change the world. Listen to this, John 17, verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Do you know that we display the glory of God by our unity, by our love for each other? Listen to this, verse 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see, when the world looks at a church and they just see dissension and division and backbiting and fickle relationships, they just say, well, they're just like us. But when the world looks and sees a people that although they're messed up and although they're broken and although they're making mistakes, there is a bond of unity. There is a love. There is a covenant. There is decades of friendship. They look and they marvel and they say, certainly the glory of God is shining around them. That's what I'm believing for for this church. That's what I'm dreaming of that we would be a people that have that kind of commitment to each other. And, and listen, listen to me. I, I know we're going to make mistakes. I know that we're going to fall. And some of you in here are just thinking, man, I, 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 I don't know if I can do it. I, I, just, I feel like I just hurt this person, and I feel like I just broke that relationship. Can I just tell you that Jesus isn't looking for perfection? You, you know the man who he chose to, to build the church upon in the New Testament? He actually says, you're the rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. His name was Peter. Do you know that Peter was his friend? And do you know what Peter did to Jesus? He denied him. In Jesus' moment of need, he denied him. And yet Jesus takes him, restores him, and then uses him to build the kingdom. Can I just tell you that your broken relationships, God can restore and then use if we'll humble ourselves and let him. Would you just stand up with me now? Would you close your eyes and let's just let the Holy Spirit speak to us. You know, I think coming out of today that there's some different things that the Lord wants us to respond with. I imagine that there might be one or two people that you need to call or you need to have lunch with and you need to just say, hey, do you know that I actually want to be your committed friend? I, I, wanna, I want you to know that I have your back. Someone told me that a couple months ago. They said, Robert, I just want you to know I have your back and I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me. And you know, that ministered deeply to my heart. And you know, I bet there's some people that have been like Peter in here that you've broken relationship. And right now you just feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart to go and to do what you can to make things right. You know, and sometimes we can't even make them right, but the Bible says do everything you can to be at peace with all people. And it's time to take that step and reconcile the relationship. You know, the 
way we become a true covenant friend is when we have Jesus in our life. He's the covenant friend. And some of you think, man, I don't even believe you, Pastor. I don't think there can be friends like that. Can I just tell you that Jesus can be that friend to you? I want to give you a chance to meet him. If you don't know Jesus right now, he loves you. He wants to come into your heart and live with you forever. He died on the cross, not because you deserved it, but because of his great love for you. He paid for your sins, the sins that you couldn't pay for. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, and he wants to live with you forever. And even when you die upon this earth, he wants to take you to heaven to spend eternity by his side. If you don't know him today, I encourage you right now to pray with me because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you're not sure that you know him as your best friend, I encourage you to pray with me right now. Let's pray this prayer right after me to say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me. I give you my life. Come live inside of me. Follow you forever. While everyone just right now has their eyes closed and is just doing business with God, if that's you today, if you just prayed that, I want to pray a prayer over you. I want to pray a prayer just of sealing what God's just done in your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. But if that's you, I want to pray for you. If you just look up at me and just just put your hand up and wave at me, so I can know that's you. Real quick, just look up and wave, wave at me real quick. That's you. To say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I want you to pray. Awesome. I see you there. Who else? Just wave at me. Just make sure I see you. Awesome. I see you as well. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. Wave at me real quick. That's you just saying, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I'm, I'm praying. Just look up at me real quick. Wave at me. Awesome. Father, for these ones that are giving their lives to you today, we thank you that you're removing their sins from them. You're sealing them, and they'll spend the rest of their days walking with you in friendship. We thank you for their lives in Jesus' name. Prayer team, come up really quickly. I just want to just take one more minute to pray for anyone who needs prayer. We'll be done very quickly, but I know that when we preach a message like this, there's pain in people's hearts. And I want to pray for you if there's pain in your heart dealing with friendship. I also want to pray for you today if you need healing. We want to lay our hands on you and let Jesus do his work in in your body. So you come forward if you need healing. If, If God's doing something in your heart today, if you just gave your life to Jesus, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to give you one of these books. You just feel that God's doing something. You go, man, how do I respond? A great way to respond is just to get out of your seats and come up here. Whatever that need is today, you just come right now. Just start making your way out of your seat. We'll wait for you. You just come forward. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you and let God do his work. Stephen, lead us in one more song as we take some time this morning.